Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's can I... awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org app. of Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. One of the most epic rivalries in the NFL renews on Sunday. Vikings and Packers, U.S. Bank Stadium. The hype has already begun. I know on Locked On Packers with Bill Huber, they're already talking smack on there here on Locked On Vikings. We'll be, we'll be above that. You know, you know what they say, those in glass houses shouldn't throw stones? Well, those in glass stadiums shouldn't throw stones either. So many places to start with this game. Vikings and Packers goes way back. I know, Sage, you experienced some of this rivalry in your year in 2009. You had a couple very notable Vikings-Packers games. Uh, the, the Brett Favre return to Lambeau and then obviously the one at the Metrodome. What were those crowds like? Well, the return to the Metrodome uh, game, that was just an unbelievable night. And if I recall, you know, the crowd was, was so loud. Uh, you know, Jared Allen came out and, and had a couple sacks. Our defense played great. We, we came out and got a lead. Uh, I feel like Favre threw a couple touchdown passes in the first half. And, and, but, uh, but Aaron Rodgers sort of kept his team in, in the football game. That's uh, back when they had Jermichael Finley, the tight end, and, and uh, Donald Driver and and uh, some other good, really good receivers and players, and and they sort of fought their way back into that football game and made it interesting at the end. But uh, but we were too much for them uh, in Minnesota, and then the one in Green Bay that was you know that that's that's more of like a chapter in a book uh, to describe the atmosphere that night and be able to walk out to the jog out of the tunnel right behind Favre. Uh, it was something I'll never forget, and uh, you know the, 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 that was like the, this rivalry on steroids. Uh, it's a great rivalry. It's one of the best rivalries in sports. You know, I got to play with the Washington Redskins against the Dallas Cowboys or the New York Giants, uh, and you know a lot, lot of great rivalries in the NFL. But I don't know if anything was like the Packers versus the Minnesota Vikings. Brett Favre has talked in the past few months about how nervous he was for those games, especially the one at Lambeau where he got booed relentlessly. Did you detect that in your meetings in the quarterback room that week? 
Yeah, usually you know somebody's nervous. Uh, it's it's sort of like you can just tell how badly they want to win the game, and you just so naturally that's going to make them a little bit nervous as they you know get, get, we get closer to it. We're playing the St. Louis Rams. I mean, Favre's going to crack jokes in the locker room uh, before the game, but you know, something like this, you know, the detail that you start to really pay attention to, and you know, ask more questions, and and you, you know, you may be talking to the receivers a little bit more in the locker room before the game or even during the week. Uh, making sure every single detail is is absolutely clear, uh, and you could tell that uh, you know this this game was obviously more special for Brett. And yeah, he was extremely nervous in the locker room before the game. Uh, I recall sort of looking over, his hands were shaking a little bit, and and he wasn't his sort of goofball self uh, in the locker room. It was uh, it was it was serious. wasn't really the word. Uh, it, it was probably the only really time I saw him nervous. I didn't see him as nervous for the NFC Championship game versus the Saints. I, I think he was more nervous against the uh, against the Packers uh, in those two games that season. And if I recall, he ended up throwing seven touchdowns against zero interceptions in those two games and two victories for Minnesota as a part of their 12-win season. And there's an awfully good quarterback on the Packers for this for this Sunday's game, Aaron Rodgers. He just made a ridiculous throw in, in Sunday's game against Jacksonville. I don't know if you saw it. He was getting dragged down by Jalen Ramsey, and he somehow threw a pinpoint pass to Devontae Adams in the end zone for, for a touchdown just before halftime. And he makes that kind of throw on a regular basis, it seems like. He, he's burned Minnesota many times in the past. Last year, of course, uh, the Vikings split with Green Bay. Rodgers and the Packers beat them 30-13 to at TCF Bank Stadium, and then the Vikings defensively dominated them at Lambeau Field in Week 17 despite a late fourth-quarter comeback by Green Bay. But over the years, it's been Aaron Rodgers' neighborhood, you know, beating Minnesota. What do you think makes Aaron Rodgers tick, Sage? What, what is in his DNA that makes him so incredible? Well, he's not a human being. We'll start there. Okay. So that that that's where you got to start with. I I've always called him. I actually I shouldn't say always. I would say the last two or three years when I've been analyzing NFL quarterbacks, I call Aaron Rodgers the video game quarterback. He makes plays and makes throws that you just ha- have never seen National Football League quarterbacks make. Uh, throws on the run that are in, you know in the corner of the end zone or three yards out of bounds, just so Jordy Nelson can you know tap his his feet into the corner of the end zone and, and catch a touchdown pass. Uh, throws that I wouldn't even have a chance. And I would, people always say that pretty strong arm, but I watch him throw and uh, there's throws that he just I, I would have no chance of being able to make that throw physically. Uh, over the last couple of years, he's he's changed his game a little bit. And he has uh, found ways to buy more time in the pocket. Uh, when one and two or, or three aren't there, you, you see his feet moving around, and, and he has the ability to throw balls off balance uh, when his feet are you know, facing towards the sideline and to throw you know, deep posts down the field. He can make any throw from any position. But the last couple of years, with his, he buys time in the pocket, and then he escapes the pocket uh, and is always looking downfield. And uh, when you're playing against zone defenses, uh, the more time you can buy uh, and, 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 and allow your receivers to work, usually there's a hole uh, somewhere that they can that they can find an opening in. Uh, the point of zone defense is to get a pass rush and, and have your quarterbacks, uh, if they're on rhythm, no one's open. But if they uh, can buy time, just, there's bound to be holes in that defense. And so uh, you know, going into sort of what I think, the game plan should be be weak with with, with Mike Zimmer and, and the Vikings. The last couple of years have done a very good job on Aaron Rodgers, and I think it's because it, he does not match up well against what the Vikings do. 
Uh, Zimmer plays so much man-to-man defense uh, that you can buy time all you want. Uh, you know, the, the, the Vikings corners do a pretty good job of staying with the receivers and, and chasing guys. And uh, there's there's nobody just wide open, you know, down the field in some big zone area. There's always somebody blanketed uh, on his receivers. And so uh, you have to get pressure uh, by the D-line, but uh, I think the Vikings' man-to-man defense matches up well. Even with Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and their receivers, the, the, the man-to-man defense, I think, is the best way to go versus the Green Bay Packers. It seemed like Mike Zimmer last season preferred blitzing quarterbacks that he felt he could fluster, but quarterbacks that were in that upper echelon who he had more respect for, he would rather put his defensive backs on those receivers, just rush four, trust Griffin, trust Robinson, trust Joseph, and let them get to the quarterback and make sure the receivers are covered. This year, obviously, Jordy Nelson is a factor that you have to consider. I would not expect the Vikings to put that much pressure on Aaron Rodgers unless they get him in, like, a third and 16. Well, I think they're hoping to get pressure with their front four with guys like Everson Griffin. I mean, that's the whole point of, of having a really good defense is uh, you know to be able to stop the pass. Uh, it helps to not have to blitz linebackers and safeties, but just rush your front four guys and try to get some pressure. I mean, that was the key to the team. Two defense back in the day uh, with Jared Allen and, and you know, a lot of other players, Dwight Freeney uh, in, in Indianapolis. Uh, but the key is really to try to get pressure with your front four so you can have as many guys, uh, the other seven down the field, covering uh, the five eligible receivers uh, for the other team. And so I think that would probably, probably be the game plan. It's just a rush for... Uh, play a lot of man-to-man, but yet have you know the extra two guys doubling guys like, say, Jordy Nelson or Cobb or whoever they feel the, the biggest weapons are uh, for the Green Bay Packers. But you know you sort of give up if Aaron Rodgers takes off and runs. Uh, you know that 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 will hurt you. All your guys are chasing. There's usually no one around. He'll, he'll run for 10 or 15 yards. But uh, I think any you know defensive coordinator would rather you know trade. Aaron Rodgers running for a couple first downs in the game, which is extremely annoying, uh, but you'd rather have him be be with his legs uh, and not with his arm. The first week of the NFL season is officially in the books. How did your fantasy football teams do this week? Did you get in on the fun over at FanDuel? If you didn't, it's not too late. You can reset things in week two, which is only a couple days away. Fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week. No busted seasons. Just pick a contest, choose your team, watch your score in real time. There's a lot of contests, variety, beginner contests, 50-50 contests, head-to-head contests with friends, small budgets, big budgets from anywhere from $1 to $2 million purses with $200,000 for the first place prize in Sunday's million contest. Big time winner on Monday if you had D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams had an incredible second half in that Monday night game. Uh, Hopefully you didn't have anybody on the Los Angeles Rams, except maybe that drunk guy who ran on the field. Have all that fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel, be sports rich. Try FanDuel now. Get up to $50 in free entries. New users who deposit will get five free entries to NFL 50-50 beginner contests valued at up to $50. You'll get one free entry a week for five weeks. Value of free entries varies based on deposited amount. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my promo code LO Vikings. That's fanduel.com, promo code LO Vikings, void where prohibited. But, by the way, it really is amazing in that in that first you know Monday night game of the or first Monday night of the year, the second game, the Rams game, hands down, hands down, the highlight of that game was the fan running on the field and the call by the play by play guy uh, for Westwood One. Absolutely hilarious that people haven't heard it. 
sure you can find it on Twitter or somewhere out on the internet. It is, it's unbelievable. It's like a, it's a perfect call for him. He's going, he's inside the 40, he's down to the 30, he turns around. I mean, it was, it, it's absolutely hilarious. I'm a terrible impressionist. Yeah, people haven't heard it. We've got it right here. Uh, let's take 30 seconds in and let them enjoy it. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat, Kevin. Oh, they got him. Here comes coming the blue from the left. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. <laughs> Oh, that was the most exciting thing to happen tonight. Brilliant from Kevin Harlan. And he's had a lot of great sound bites over the years. That tops them all. Oh, he's one of the great voices of the NFL. And uh, you know, the, the best is how honest he was at the very end when he says, that's the most exciting thing that's happened all night. <laughs> the, the <laughs> Which little, is absolutely true in that boring football game. The editorialization at the end, yeah, that was great. And then uh, you could tell Kurt Warner just wanted to get on the fun. He, he just wanted to jump in there and kind of stepped on his touchdown call. But it was still pretty fantastic. I hope he enjoyed his night in the clink because that guy is by far the most famous uh, runner on the field probably of any idiot who's done it in the past he's definitely uh, gotten his 15 minutes of fame even though we may never know who he is it's nice that the tv never shows it. i thought it was interesting the tv doesn't show the guy running around at all they just show the two head coaches just staring at the guy they weren't smiling they weren't laughing they weren't doing anything they were just being like totally stoic just staring at the guy as he runs back and forth on the field now, that was funny, too. I, I, I wish players would go after these guys sometimes. Now, I think it was two years ago, Antone Exum of the Vikings actually tackled a streaker. But I, I wish there was more of that because what would be a better punishment for being an idiot, running on the field, than just getting hit by a big guy in pads? I mean, that would be punishment enough. Well, then you're going to have – you'd have somebody like me out there probably try to tackle my I'd probably hurt myself. So. <laughs> It's Locked On Vikings, Locked On Podcast Network, Sage Rosenfeld, Sam Ekstrom, at Sage Rosenfeld's 18, at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. On the other side of the ball, the Vikings face a 3-4 defense in Green Bay after facing a 3-4 defense in Tennessee. I don't think we talk about this very much, but are there differences, Sage, in facing those the 4-3 versus the 3-4 defense, especially as a quarterback? There are some differences. Uh, it doesn't affect the reads a lot. Uh, you know, the coverages are a lot of times very similar. Um, you know, the, the, the hard part is there obviously four linebackers and not three. So, you know, a lot of times if the safety comes down to, say, you know, the quarterback's right side or the defense's left side, uh, you know, that outside linebacker is usually blitzing and the other one's dropping off. If the safety comes up down from the left side, you know, that, that left linebacker or outside linebacker is blitzing, the right one drops off. So that's where it can be a little more challenging. You're not sure which of those sort of outside linebackers is going to be the third linebacker where in a general 4-3 defense, uh, it is what it is. You don't know where the, the I guess, the fourth pass rushing guy is going to be. Um, it also changes the running game. Uh, in the 3-4 defense, the outside linebacker sort of set the edge. Uh, you'll almost never see a tight end, you know, as I say, reach uh, an outside linebacker to try to so the ball can bounce outside of him. Their job is to keep their outside and arm free and funnel everything back inside, which means in, any of it, when, the, when the safeties come up, the safeties come up inside the box rather than outside. 
Uh, so it's a little bit hard for the receivers to get in there and dig them out in the running game. So uh, it changes a little bit of things in the run game. Uh, interesting as, as far as pass protection is concerned, uh, that's probably the biggest thing is how do you rig your pass protection? Do you go sort of five on five with the five guys on the line? Uh, do you slide the protection one way and then put a running back on one of those outside linebackers? That's where it sort of gets dicey uh, and, and you know, game plan wise, you got to figure out who the best rushers are. But uh, it changes a few things. But overall, you know, coverage wise and stuff, uh, you, you pretty much just read things out as you normally would. Now, the Vikings last season struggled mightily against the Packers defense in both games. They couldn't move the ball at TCF Bank Stadium. Peterson had a big fumble. And then in the game at the end of the season, really they benefited from a defensive touchdown with Captain Munderland, but they didn't do much against Green Bay's defense last season. We don't think of Green Bay as a defensive-minded team, but they have some players that really deserve some respect. Well, you always got to love. I think Clay Matthews sort of sets the tone of that defense. And for a while, it was, you know, A.J. Hawk, though he wasn't like a premier player, he was like the blue-collar guy, sort of the glue guy who kept it all together and seemed to make a lot of tackles and, and led that defense. But now it's Clay Matthews, you know, who used to be just a pass-rushing sort of defensive end, and now he's a linebacker that also plays a little defensive end and does a little everything. I think he sets the tone on that defense. It always has seemed like they're – they're secondary guys. Their safeties, their corners are, are opportunistic, uh, and they, they do a pretty good job of, of uh, intercepting balls or, or being in the right place at the right time. Uh, it's a defense that doesn't seem to really scare you, uh, but if you're, if you're not careful, uh, you know, they'll, they'll sack you too many times and they'll, they'll intercept a few balls. So uh, I've always thought they're uh, a good defense, not a great defense, but you don't have to be a great defense when you have Aaron Rodgers. You just have to be good enough to – maybe get a turnover to a game and, and try to slow the opponent down. Once again, check out Locked on Packers for a look at the opponent. Bill Huber hosts. You can find him on Twitter at Packer Report. I retweeted one of his links this morning. Also check out Locked on NFL with Matt Williamson, Locked on Fantasy with Vinny. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst ire so the vikings signed two cornerbacks to their practice squad this week this is a really subtle move uh, i do wonder if it has implications on their depth at that position because of xavier rhodes injury could i be reading too much into it or do you think it has some merit that they're trying to ensure cornerback depth well, this is one of those situations where, uh, you know, like in poker, you're always trying to hide what, what, how good of cards you have. But when you ask for four more cards uh, in, a, in a game of poker, it's pretty obvious you don't have very good cards. Uh, so uh, this is one of those situations where, I, you, you know, head coaches and GMs are always trying to hide what are the injuries, how bad are they, who's going to play. But when you sign two guys to the practice squad, there's a pretty good chance that they're concerned that Xavier is not going to play this week. Uh, and they want to get you know two bodies in there, see which one learns the system the best, see which one has the best week of practice, and, and you know decent chance of calling one up in the football game. And it may not happen, but I think uh, they an injury in a, a position this important. And you know, I talk about all the man-to-man coverage that the, the Vikings play, the position this important. I think there's a decent chance that Xavier Rhodes' injury is is significant enough that he may not play this week. So obviously that's a, that would be a huge loss. Uh, 
uh, for the Vikings is you know he'd probably he would probably be man to man on either Randall Cobb uh, or uh, Jordy Nelson you know throughout the football game. Anything with a knee is always nerve wracking. It's always going to be it seems like three four weeks at best. So Xavier Rhodes could be in a tough injury spot, and you hate to have a cornerback go down early in the season and then have that lingering perhaps. And he had a hamstring early in the season. Then, you know, if you have a bad knee, do you start overcompensating on, on one side and then it creates injuries on the other side and, and, and then your lower body gets all out of whack. So hopefully Xavier Rhodes gets back in shape and gets this defense at full strength because he is a huge cog against uh, the opponent's passing game, and he would be against Green Bay, certainly. Well, yeah, that is definitely one thing with injuries. I mean, I, I didn't have, uh, you know, many knee and, and hamstring injuries. I used to joke around that I don't have, I didn't have hamstrings, therefore I never pulled a hamstring. But as far as, like, throwing motion is concerned, uh, you know, if you're, you know, you have a wrist injury, next thing you know, and that, as that thing's healing up, next thing you know, you have an elbow injury or you have a, something in your shoulder that's bothering you a little bit just because you, you overcompensate and over you change your throwing motion or uh, you know, change the way you run uh, because of that knee uh, or because of a hamstring and it's causing another issue. And sometimes even on the other side of your body, you might have a right ankle injury. Next to you know, your left hip uh, is sort of out of, out of place because you're running differently. So uh, something obviously the Vikings and Eric Sugarman, the, the trainer, are fantastic. Uh, trainer for the head trainer for the Vikings uh, will have to obviously keep an eye on hopefully get him back on the field sooner rather than later. Here's the schedule for the rest of the week. Tomorrow I will do a joint show with Bill Huber for Lockdown Packers and Lockdown Vikings. So make sure to check that out. I'm sure we'll we'll go back and forth with with barbs for each team and we'll we'll have a battle royale on the Locked On Podcast Network. Then Friday, Sage will be back on with us. We'll give our official game predictions, and maybe we'll have some more clarity on the Vikings quarterback situation. Today, Sean Hill and Sam Bradford will talk at Winter Park. We'll see if they drop any golden nuggets of insight. I would highly doubt it, though. And Sage, I read your first story on thescore.com, evaluating three quarterbacks from week one. Thoroughly enjoyed it, especially your analysis of Marcus Mariota after his performance against the Vikings. Well, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm lucky enough to be able to write a Monday morning sort of Monday morning article, but it's it's truly Monday morning quarterback. They, they the score just wants me to talk about three different quarterbacks each week, and I sort of get to pick and choose whoever I want. And and sometimes it's really good performances, uh, and sometimes it's bad performances. And and Mariota played really well in that football game, 95% of the game. Uh, but when you're playing against a team who just lost their quarterback, which the Vikings did 12 days prior. Uh, you cannot turn the ball over. And uh, his first turnover, the interception to Kendricks, uh, was something to me uh, which was a bit alarming. He's in shotgun. They have the bootleg on. Uh, he sees Everson Griffin before the snap. He's there. You know Everson's enough to feel a pass rusher. You can't be surprised by having him in your face. So, you know, when, when you're an offensive coordinator, the worst thing uh, you expect uh, on a naked bootleg is an incomplete pass. Throw the ball away, throw in the dirt, throw it out of bounds, uh, and hoping for, obviously, hoping for a big play. What you can't have are sacks, and you can't have uh, any sort of turnovers on naked bootlegs. It just uh, you just can't have it. Um, so uh, in those types of situations, he should not have been surprised on that on that uh, on that play. And then yeah, I think the Vikings were down six to uh, ten to six uh, at that point in that ball game. So you know the game was an ugly one at that point, uh, and he let the Vikings do what the Vikings do best and and win with their defense and and uh, you know, turn the ball over and then he ended up turning the ball over. 
the next possession or two possessions later as well. So uh, two very costly mistakes for Marcus Mariota. He is Sage Rosenfels. My name is Sam Ekstrom. This has been Locked on Vikings. Make sure to leave us a rating on iTunes. Thank you for listening. We're over 10,000 listens on Locked on Vikings. It's your feedback that makes it worthwhile. So thank you very much. We'll talk to you tomorrow with Bill Huber and Sage Rosenfels back on Friday. Find the magic. Others can tell. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.